Hello and welcome to Discipleship, The Hard Sayings. I'm your host, Darren Laws, and I thank you for tuning in. We've currently been doing um, a study on the seven churches. We've done the Church of Ephesus, uh, the Church at Smyrna, and I'm currently uh, soon going to be doing the Church at Pergamum. Uh, but in the midst of this, some questions have come up, uh, so I thought it might be helpful to take a little bit of time to talk about the church. Um, there seems to be a lot of confusion in our day about the church uh, and what the purpose of it is. And so we'll pause for a little bit in the seven churches and just take some time and, and just kind of work through what the Bible says about the church. Uh, you know, what is the church specifically? Um, what's the purpose of the church and what's the future of the church? Um, and I hope this might be beneficial and helpful because um, the church today, it, it's, it's somewhat heartbreaking to look and see what's going on in the churches and, and, and all the, the sin in the church and the, the downfalls and the pastors giving in to uh, the lust of their flesh. Uh, and, and congregations that are just very weak in understanding of Scripture. Uh, I don't think our Lord intended the church to be that way. Uh, I believe the church is to be strong and firm and, and um, to be grounded in God's Word, to stand on the firm foundation of Jesus Christ uh, and His Word. So that when these trials and these trying times come, such as what we've experienced a little bit here in America, not not much, but a little bit, and uh, so many have have caved in under the pressures of, of society on certain issues, and it's heartbreaking to see the compromise in the church and and just the unsureness and. You know, there's a lot of churches that, that use the church just uh, for their own gain. And we have a warning of this. Uh, this is uh, Acts um, chapter 20 and verses 27 and following. Paul says, For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. He says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. So it tells us right there that this church is not ours. Uh, it's not my church. It's not my pastor's church. It's Christ's church. And the Holy Spirit has placed a pastor over the over the local congregation that he's at to feed the flock of God. Um, and Christ purchased it with his own blood. But Paul goes on to say, he says, For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. As if that wasn't bad enough, he goes on to say, And also of your own selves shall men arise speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. He says, Therefore, watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. 
And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. That's the heart of a pastor right there. Um, with tears, he warned, he pleaded, he taught the whole word of God, the whole counsel. He didn't, he didn't water it down. He taught it to them. Why did he teach them? He taught them because he knew. He knew that when he left, that these wolves were going to come in. So he wanted to make sure they had a sure foundation, that they were standing firm, that when these wolves come in, they would realize and know this false doctrine, this teaching that was different. And man, that happens today. That happens today so much. Um, and, and one of the problems is, is we have these, these false teachers coming in, and they're they're teaching doctrine that's contrary to Scripture. And the sad reality is a lot of the church members don't even know it because they haven't taken the time to study. Uh, you know, so the church needs uh, a sound pastor. It's Christ's church. He places a pastor as, as the shepherd of his local flock uh, in First Peter chapter 5. Peter says to uh, feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, and not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. Being examples to the flock. And he says, And when the chief shepherd shall appear, Ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. And that's the purpose of a pastor. That's how he's to do it. Not, not for, for money, for gain's sake, but to feed the flock of God, to be the example to the flock. You know, that's, that's the purpose. Uh, he feeds the flock by his preaching and his teaching and teaching of the whole counsel of God. Um... You know, the Word of God should be to us as believers, uh, like Job says in uh, chapter 23 and verse 12. Job's got it right, uh, and we might could take a lot of lessons from this, but Job 23, 12 uh, Job says, Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. He says, I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. The word of God was more to Job than his physical food. And man, could you imagine what our church would look like today if that was the case for us as believers and congregants of the church uh, could you imagine if the Word of God was that valuable and that important to us that we would rather study and digest His Word so that we can glorify Him in our lives more than we would rather have our, our daily food? That would be quite a sight to see. And uh, I pray for that. I pray for that uh, daily. Um, Paul prays a lot uh, for the church. He, Colossians chapter 1, Paul prays. Uh, he says in verses 9 and 10, he says, For this cause we also, since the day we heard of it, do not cease to pray for you, 
to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of His will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. I mean, is that not our desire? Should that not be our desire? Is to, to grow in that knowledge? And all this is what we do as a church. Uh, we have a pastor over us. We have elders and teachers uh, to help teach us the Word of God so that we can grow in the knowledge and understanding of, of, of who He is. Not so we can be puffed up and, and prideful because of what we know, but because we want to glorify God. And, and how do we do that? We have to know Him. Uh, when I married my wife, I wanted to know her, so I spend time with her. You know, I'm fortunate and blessed. I spend every day, almost all day, together with my wife, and, and I know her. And the same goes, and even more so, with my Lord. I want to know Him. And we can only do that through the studying of His Word, the reading, and it has to be priority in our lives. Um, 2 Timothy chapter 2 uh, verse 15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We're to study. We need to grow. Uh, we don't need to be on the milk. Um, you know, we need to be like the Bereans in Acts 17, 11, that, you know, testing everything we hear. When we hear a sermon, when we hear a Sunday school teacher, if we listen to something on YouTube, whatever we listen to, we need to line it up and compare it with the Word of God. Uh, this is the only way the church can start to function properly is it has to be under the authoritative Word of God. And that requires a pastor who believes that the Scripture is the unadulterated authority, the Word of God. Not culture, not society, not anybody's feelings, but the Word of God. And the elders, the same way. We have to have men raised up in the church that know the Scriptures, that are willing to mentor young men. We're to have older women come up so that they can teach the younger women. Uh, this is all designed, and we'll go through this in more detail um, later as we go along. But we, we just we have to focus on these things. And... Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, um, we get another warning. And it says in uh, chapter 4, verse 2 through 4, he says, Preach the word. He says, Be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long su suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust." shall they heap up to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. And as much as I cringe to say this, I think that's where we're at in society. I think that we've raised up now teachers uh, in so many places that are afraid to teach the truth. They don't want to teach the truth. Um, they might not be very popular. They might have a smaller church. And I mean, I don't know what their reason is, but I know, I know the sound doctrine is going out the doors of the church uh, very rapidly. We've made the church a place to look, come in, 
be comfortable, you know, uh, just relax, have some coffee, and uh, we'll give you a, a, a message that brings no conviction to you. I uh, hear so many times that a pastor say, I'm not one of those hellfire uh, preachers. Um, my question is, why? Why not? Um, we're to teach the whole counsel of God, so there's nothing wrong with warning about a judgment that's coming uh, where you'll be in a place for eternity, a place called hell or the lake of fire where there's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Uh, you can call it what I, what you want, but I think that's loving my neighbor by telling them the truth. And we don't, we can't know the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ without knowing first the bad news and why it is that we, in fact, needed the Savior. And so many times in the church, it's uh, messages and it's it's atmosphere is created to draw people in. Uh, we want to to increase uh, by numbers. If you attend a church that is not concerned about the great increase of numbers, but is more concerned about the spiritual growth of the ones that the Lord has already placed there, be very thankful, uh, because those are very far and few between. And uh, we can read in Acts uh, chapter 2, uh, verse, we'll start with uh, verse 45. He says that they sold, this is after Pentecost here, and he says they sold their possessions and goods and imparted them to all men as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all people, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. It wasn't man's gimmicks. It wasn't man's schemes. They didn't have to change the Word of God to try to get people to profess Christ. They didn't have to water it down to make it more palatable uh, for those. Uh, they just preached the truth. They preached the gospel. And the Lord gave increase of all those to be saved. Um, they didn't have to come up with a bunch of schemes, uh, as we see many times today. Um, there's a lot of strange things that happen. So we need to be very careful of that. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he tells us also, in verse 6, he says, uh, Paul saying, I have planted, Apollos has watered, but God gave the increase. And here again, it, it's not by the schemes of Paul or the works of Apollos. They were being faithful to the gospel. And it's God that gives the increase. You see, it, it's kind of simple. <laughs> We're to be faithful to God in what we do. A pastor is to be faithful to God in preaching the Word of God, uh, the unadulterated Word of God, not adding to it, not taking it away from it, not even watering it down, but preaching the truth of the Word of God. And you leave the results 
in God's hands. Because his word's not going to return void. But so many times we just we think we have to, to, to make things easier or better or change it when I promise you God's word is sufficient for all things. For all things. All we have to do is be faithful to it. Be faithful in proclaiming it. Faithful in teaching it. If you're a Sunday school teacher, you need to have a Bible. You need to have a Bible and you need to open it. And you need to read it and study it. And you need to be serious about what you're doing. Because when you open the Word of God to teach it, you are accountable uh, for what you're teaching. So you need to be prepared. Um, we need to have that reverence uh, for God, that reverent fear of God. And the whole counsel of God should be proclaimed uh, from the pastor preaching the Word. All those that are teaching uh, Sunday school classes or whatever the case might be, you, you need to be teaching the Bible truthfully, which means you have to put the time in. You have to study. You have to deal with the Scripture yourself. You can't just haphazardly run out there and try to teach God's Word. This is our treasure. This, is, this, this should be more precious, as we just read in Job. This should be more precious to us than our daily food. Uh, we should have such a, a hunger and thirst for the, for the Word of God as His people, unless we don't understand what it is that He saved us from. He, we were lost. We were dead in our sins. It says in Ephesians chapter 2, uh, we were dead, and He brought us to life. He says that, He says, And you hath He quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins. I'm going to go ahead and read Ephesians 2, uh, all the way down through verse 9, or verse 10. He says, And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. And this is a beautiful statement. But God, verse number four, but God, who is rich in his mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in our sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them." That's a beautiful passage of Scripture. Beautiful passage. We were dead. He's brought us to life. His great love, wherewith He loved us, even when we were yet enemies, Christ died for us. That should compel us. 
That should drive us to the Scriptures. That should drive us to want to know who He is, this awesome, mighty, all-powerful, amazing creator, sustainer, holy, just, merciful God who saw fit to save a wretch like me and like you. That should drive us to want to know Him. And He is revealed through the pages of Scripture. My, we should study. My, how we should want to read and be engrossed in it every day. Every day, knowing this wonderful Savior uh, so that we can serve Him. Why? So we can glorify Him. So that we can honor Him. So that we can be the lights out in this world that we're called to be. So that we can be the ambassadors. That we can be the heralds of the King. That we can be proclaimers of the Gospel. There's people in this world that are dying and they're going to hell. And we have the good news. We have the good news and we're afraid to share it. Sometimes we're afraid to share it because we don't know it. Sometimes we're afraid to share it because we're deceived and we really don't have it. And sometimes we're afraid to share it because we're still focused on ourselves and worried about what somebody might think of us. And this is all part of why the church is so important as the gathered assembly of the saints. The church is there for the truth of God's Word to be preached to the believers so that we can grow and disciple and raise up believers who are on the meat and not still on the milk so that we can properly serve our God so that we can proclaim the gospel rightly and so that we can edify and build one another up and strengthen one another as we go through our trials in life which are going to come many, many will come and we lean on one another and we pray for one another. We rejoice with one another. We weep with one another. And that's why it's so important to be part of a local congregation, uh, to have those Christ-centered relationships, to be brothers and sisters in Christ. You see, a person that shows up in the doors of a, a Bible-believing church can't do what this group of believers is doing. They don't have the ability to worship and sing praise to a holy God because they don't know Him. So as the church, we want those lost people when they come in to see us love one another. In John, John chapter 13, uh, if memory serves me right, He tells us, uh, John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35, he says, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. And he says, By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. Beautiful passage. We don't have that ability without the Holy Spirit's 
indwelling us. We don't have that ability apart from Christ. So when somebody that is an unbeliever comes into a, a local body of Christ and we're worshiping God and we're loving one another, they see that. And they can't do that. And they want to know why or how, you know, what makes it so different. And it's Christ. It's Jesus Christ. That's the difference. And we proclaim that gospel to that lost one in hopes that God sees fit to redeem them. But we, as the church, are called out to be holy, to be separate, to be different, to not be conformed to the world as Romans chapter 12 and uh, verse 1 and 2 tells us. I mean, another beautiful passage of Scripture that we need to take hold of. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. By the renewing of your mind, you're transformed. We have to have God's Word in our mind. We have to saturate our minds with it. Uh, it has to replace all of our fleshly thinking. We have to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And that's what He calls us to do, and that's what we're to do as a body of believers. We're there to worship Him, not for our sake. We're worshiping Him because He's worthy of worship and praise. He's worthy for His goodness, for His grace, for His mercy that He so lavishly pours out on us wretched sinners. So we gather to worship Him, and we gather to exalt the name of Christ, and we gather to edify one another. You know, some say, I can't sing, so I don't sing when we, we sing a hymn. I used to say the same thing. And I heard a man put it one time. I think it was Bodie Boggum. I can't remember exactly who it was. And he says, if you can't sing and you think that's a good excuse when you go to church, he says, think again. He says, if you can't sing, you learn to sing because we're singing praises to our great God. And through our singing and the people next to us hear our singing and we hear each other singing and we're edifying the body in unity. Unity in what? In the truth of Jesus Christ. We're unified in Christ, which is a whole other point of the church, and to have unity. We never have unity at the expense of the truth. Our unity is in Christ. If it's not in Christ, then we can't have the unity. Just like the unbeliever that comes in, the unbeliever is not part of the church. They can't be. The church is an extremely exclusive place. Uh, it's only for those who are in Christ. Those who are not in Christ are not part of it, nor can they be. Um, so I think we have to be careful with that. Because the church is a purchased possession. It's Christ's church. Our unity is in Christ. Our hope is in Christ. All things are in 
Christ that we do. So those who are not in Christ can't be part of it. Can't be part of it. So I think in way of, of introduction to the church, uh, we're, we're going to look next time of what is the church. Uh, we're going to get in a little more detail um, about the church. Uh, then probably the next time we will do uh, what is the purpose of the church, and then we'll get into what is the future of the church. Um, these are some of my thoughts as I think through the church and and the burden of my heart um, when it comes to the church. Uh, wouldn't it be beautiful to see a church that's, that's a biblical church doing things the way the Scripture tells us to, having unity in Christ, proclaiming the truth from the pulpit, um, singing glorious praises to our God, having Sunday school classes with people that want to learn the Word of God, how precious it is to see that new believer who has that hunger and thirst for the truth and they just can't seem to get enough, how encouraging it is. Sometimes we can get stale and, and uh, not have quite a, a big a desire to learn, but it's so encouraging to see people wanting to learn and hungering and thirsting for truth. And uh, I just pray that God continues to raise up people to feed them, to help them, to disciple them. Uh, another aspect of the church is making disciples. Uh, place I think we we fail a lot of times in the church and I think that's why the church looks like it does now because we haven't so much made disciples like we should teaching them all things that Christ has commanded uh, again going back to that whole counsel of God uh, we, we haven't done that very well uh, I think we need to improve on that uh, personally but how wonderful it will be uh, and I just pray that if you, you attend a church that is biblical and doing things the way Scripture tells us to, then you just make sure to keep praying for that church and you keep being part of it and blessing that church uh, with whatever gift God has given you. And uh, I'm thankful for my local church uh, as well. Uh, and just pray that God would, would bless these churches. Uh, continue to raise up people to, to preach and teach uh, the truth who are not afraid of a little pushback of the truth. Uh, it's okay. But who want to study? Who's, who has the proper direction? Who's not giving in to society? Uh, who's not trying to find a hundred ways to draw people in? Um, but trusting in God. Being faithful in what the Bible tells us to do and trusting in God to send those whom He will send. And then when He sends them, being prepared and ready to teach them, to train them, to love them, and to join yourself to them to make disciples of Jesus Christ and to be examples, to be examples. You know, as we grow in Christ, we're to be examples to the younger believers the the ones who are being newly saved you know let us be good examples to them and uh, so i'm excited 
to do this study. I uh, hope this is going to be beneficial. And in the meantime, if you have any questions um, about the church or your thoughts or anything like that, just uh, feel free to send me an email at discipleship, T-H-S, at gmail.com. And um, I can get that question. And when we get ready to do our study on the church, uh, we can answer those. Uh, during those studies. Um, so the next time we, we meet, uh, we will be doing a study on what is the church. And we may, in, in the same part, we might do what is the church and what is the purpose of the church um, in one part. And in the second part, we might do the future of the church. So we look forward to that, and in the meantime, I just uh, pray that you are studying the Word, and may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.